Jesus is your Savior, you should know that God has called you to a life of victory. Your life will have conflict. We are engaged in a spiritual battle after all, but your challenges should be characterized by victory as God enables you to conquer areas of your life for God's glory. That means that as you yield those areas to God's authority, God is able to exalt himself in those areas. 2 Samuel chapter 8 shows you that if God can enable David to defeat his enemies on every side, God can enable you to do the same. In today's message, Pastor Mark will encourage you to expect God's spiritual victory in your life again. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 8 with today's edition of Come Alive. Psalm 139, 23-24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. See, God really wants you to win. He wants you to be a winner. He really does. If you check out Romans 8.36, it says, As it is written, For your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep being led to the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Verse 38, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's an awesome verse, verses. But that's an awesome thing. God wants you to know that you can be a conqueror here on earth against the things that have spiritually come from hell. And there are those things that spiritually come from hell to rise up against you. It may be a thought in a co-worker's head that says something very rude or mean to you. Now go back to 2 Samuel chapter 8. And if you go back there, We look at verse 3, 2 Samuel chapter 8, verse 3. And David also defeated Hadadezer, the son of Rehob, king of Zobah, as he went to recover his territory at the river Euphrates. So see here, again, David's promised something. He had to fight for it. He recovers it. He gets it back, something that was lost. And it starts like this with you and I. See, if you are knowing that God wants you to win, when you know that, when you realize it, You look at verse 1, going back to verse 1, after this it came to pass that David attacked the Philistines and subdued them. David defeats the Philistines. And in verse 2, he defeats the Moabites. And in verse 3, the Zoahites. And in verse 4, 
if you look there, the Syrians in verse 13, he defeats, well, I'm sorry, in verse, in verse 13, the Syrians. So there, there are these four things that David, or four people that David defeats. See, God wanted David to know that he would have victory in the west, when you think about where these people are, in the east, in the north, and in the south. Now, that's all points. That's all points of David's life. That's all points of David's kingdom. See, because God wants you to have victory in every point of your life, finances, marriage, friendships, relationships, parenting, work. It's all a witness to God and for his glory. Because if you're defeated and you're a loser type Christian, yeah, you, we are all losers. The first will become last and the last will be first. That's what, but when we're, we're losing at the battle of life, because we're not following the rule book, our, our owner's manual, and then we're a bad witness. And of course nobody would want what you have. They'd be like, stay away from that person. They're cursed. But if we're following it and we're having victory through the struggles and through the battles, when people see you battling and they see you starting to win and starting to be victorious, they're going to be like, man, what is it that allows you to persist? What allows, it, what allows you to just keep going in these tough times? That's uh, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's God's word that instructs and guides me. And so God does want you to have victory. Look at verse 4. It says, David took from them 1,000 chariots, 700 horsemen, 20,000 foot soldiers. Also, David hamstrung all the chariot horses, except that he spared enough of them for 100 chariots. Verse 5, when the Syrians of Damascus came to help Hadadezer, king of Zobah, David killed 22,000 of the Syrians. And then David put garrisons in Syria of Damascus, and the Syrians became David's servants and brought tribute, so the Lord preserved David wherever he went. See, Deuteronomy 17 tells us, and, and God declares that when a man became a king, he was not to multiply horses or wives. Well, David only did 50% of that. He multiplied wives. Here we see that he didn't multiply the horses. And you say, well, he took a, a couple of them. Well, yeah, he did, but he didn't take all of them. And the chariot horses, well, it's kind of hard to ride around the chariot where Jerusalem or where David's palace is or where David's living. It's kind of hilly and rocky. So he didn't need those. So he hamstrung those horses. And so, again, well, David was good in one of those commands. But isn't that like us? Isn't that like us? We, we specialize in certain things. Tithing, I got it. Witnessing, right on. Gossip, ouchie, wah-wah. Oh, man, that might be a hurtful one, or whatever it may be. Well, we might specialize in a couple of these things, or 50% of the things, but there's just that one. But funny, again, all areas, all points means all means all, all points. And so God says, I want all of your life. Our life and our motivation is to ministry, not misery. To ministry, not misery. To do the will of God. Tough and rough times will come. It's not going to always be easy. But the fruit will attract others if we do it God's way. People will be like, oh man, that's awesome. I love, I love the way your life is just playing out every time. I don't know if anybody's ever had anyone tell you that, but it's an amazing thing when somebody says, wow, you know, I've watched you go through some stuff. The first guy I ever witnessed to 
watched me go through a really rough time in my life. And I've told you guys before, when he started freaking out and banging the steering wheel, I thought he was going to kill me. I really thought he was going to kill me. He kept on going, that's it. I know what I got to do. And I'm like, I'm sitting in the car with this guy. He's pretty upset because I just witnessed to him. I just witnessed to him. And he kept on going, that's it. I know what I got to do. That's it. And he was hitting the steering wheel. And he was just pounding the steering wheel. And I, and I remember exactly where we were. And I'm just sitting there going, man, oh, man, I'm going to die. This is it. I'm just going to die. He's going to kill me. And he was like, I was like, well, and so I thought, well, I'll just ask. What do you need to do? I need to get saved. I was like, thank you, Jesus. And so I said, well, um, and I didn't even know what to pray at the time. I couldn't remember what I prayed because I was all like, I heard it on the radio, and I just repeated Greg Laurie as I was driving down the road or pulled over on the road. And I was like, okay, he said something like, and I prayed with this guy. And then when we finished, I said, and I just wanted to know. I was like, why would you want, why, why did you, I, I know what I said. Was it something I said? He goes, yeah. He goes, I'm glad you spoke up. He goes, but I've been watching you. I know what you're going through. And you show up every day. And I know you're bummed. Because, Mark, I've known you for a long time. I've been your boss for many years. But it's just what you're going through, the way you're handling it. That's what it was. And I know you're different. And he goes, people say you're different from before. And I'd only been saved about nine months. I I was in Albuquerque, got saved in Albuquerque, moved back to the Houston area. And that's where I started working for this guy again. And it was because of that, because of your life, because of what you're going through. If, If... Everything would have been sunny and peachy. He probably wouldn't have gotten saved because I probably wouldn't have gone to lunch with him. I wanted to pour out my heart to this guy because he seemed like a really cool big brother type. And so I just, after lunch, started witnessing to him. Started telling him how I'm handling, this is how I handle, this is how I'm handling this situation that I'm going through. And so here, again, David was good in some of these commands, but not all of them. So what we really see happening is David taking territory. Are you taking territory? Are, are you regaining territory? Maybe this week you've, you've slid back a little bit, or maybe you've slid back at some point in time in your life, but are you recapturing the territory you lost? See, he's capturing what the enemy has taken. God promised that the land and, and had told David and said, you know, David's like, God, give us this land back. Let us go and take it back. It takes effort and self-sacrifice to do that. Maybe there's somebody in your life that needs to be taken back. The enemy has captured them and taken them. Maybe that's something that the Lord's saying, hey, why don't you just go and share your faith? Why don't you just tell them what you learned in church? Why don't you tell them what you read this morning? Why don't you share something that you heard that was amazing with them? That's all about me. And when it's all about me, Mark, those people will listen. And if they don't, well, that's okay. You've done what I've asked you to do. I'm going to test your obedience. And sometimes that happens. We know that Abraham's obedience was tested with this. I mean, think about it. He takes his son and he lifts up the knife. I mean, he had to actually lift the knife up to get ready to kill. And God had to yell, stop. I mean, this guy was going for it. But there was faith that God would provide a sacrifice. You have that kind of faith? that God's going to provide the words, that God's going to provide the strength for you, the courage, the boldness, or are you just kind of like, uh, no, no, Lord. 
No, Lord. See, are you involved in fellowship enough to know who the enemy has wiped out or is chasing in this church? Do you know people that are around you that maybe the enemy is sifting and trying to catch? See, there are very people in this fellowship that Satan is trying to sift. Do you know who they are? Do you know what they are going through? Maybe they're MIA, missing in action. Maybe they just can't crawl out of bed in the morning because they're so bummed out. Uh, Maybe they can, but what are you doing about it? it? It takes an army to do battle. For one guy to run out in the field with his sword screaming and yelling, I mean... You'd be like, whoa, that's kind of weird. David took his army to go recapture. Jesus is saying, hey, you're part of the army. I'm telling you to put on the full armor of God. I'm telling you to get ready to do battle. Is there somebody in this fellowship or somebody in your life that maybe doesn't go to this fellowship? I don't know. Who is it? But are you ready to go out and do battle and and help? See, it was the Lord who gave David victory. It was God who gave David victory. Why? Well, why did God give David victory? Well, you think about it, because he did it God's way. He did what God asked him to do. Look at verse 7. It says, And David took the shields of gold that had belonged to the servants of Hedadazer and brought them to Jerusalem. And also from Beda, from the uh, Barothai cities, Hedadazer king David took a large amount of bronze. And when Toy, king of Hamath, heard that David had defeated all the army of Hadadezer, then Toy sent Joram, his son, to King David to greet him and bless him, because he had fought against Hadadezer and defeated him. For Hadadezer had been at war with Toy, and Joram brought with him articles of silver, articles of gold, and articles of bronze. So David took the pride of the enemy, dedicated it to the Lord, gave it to God so God would be glorified. Gave it to God so God would be glorified. And as we continue to read here in verse 11, King David also dedicated these to the Lord, along with the silver, the gold that he had dedicated from all the nations which he had subdued, from Syria, from Moab, from the people of Ammon, from the Philistines, from Amalek, and from the spoil of Hedadazar, the son of Rehob, king of Zobah. And David made himself a name when he returned from killing 18,000 Syrians in the Valley of Saul. He also put garrisons in Edom. Throughout all Edom, he put garrisons, and all the Edomites became David's servants. And the Lord preserved David wherever he went. Some of us might be thinking, man, this is a bloody book. It is. It is. there's, There's a war going on. It's a truthful book. It doesn't hide anything. It doesn't make anyone look great. I mean, if it was a, a, a book of fiction, David, we probably would never read of David's, well, his falling. We, we, we'd want him to look great. But we see the truth that happens. See, other nations saw the hand of God on David, and, and, and they start to bring him honor in these gifts. They knew that a strong, godly leader of Israel was good for the whole community of nations, not just good for Israel itself. Because these other nations would benefit. They would benefit. See, not every pagan nation surrounding Israel was hostile towards Israel or their God. And David didn't treat them as if they were hostile. See, we make a mistake when we, as Christians, when we start to treat every unbeliever as an openly hostile enemy of the Lord. 
When we start to look at them and demonize, oh man, that guy doesn't believe in the Lord. That guy's got, oh, look at the shirt he's wearing. It's a the Black Sabbath shirt. He's probably going to hell right now. I mean, just, he's on his way. They're not all hostile. And we need to be careful, even if they are. I'll say this, even if they are hostile towards you as a Christian, treat them kind. What's Jesus say? Love your who? Your best friends? Your family? Oh, your enemies. Love your enemies. How many of you love your enemies? Oh, Mark, I don't have any enemies. Okay, good, then love your best friend. Love others more than you love yourself, and you'll see some amazing things happen. Love your enemies, hoping nothing in return. So God is kind to those who are unbelievers. And you think, well, how's he kind? Well, he allows them to wake up, breathe every day, allows them to see. I mean, when you think about what you see as beautiful and amazing, they probably see the same thing as beautiful and amazing. And that's the, this is the best and closest to heaven that some of those people will ever get. But just what if? That one person you speak to that might be your enemy, that might have been hostile towards you, that you just began really praying for them. Really just digging down and getting on your knees and praying for that individual and asking God to provide you an opportunity to share with them and watch what happens. See, if you only do good to those who do good to you, well, so what? Uh, If you think about it, we should love our neighbor as yourself. It doesn't say only if they're saved. Only love your neighbor that's a believer. Only love your neighbor that goes to your church. Only love your neighbor that's, well, I guess we're running out of neighbors here. But love your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? Everyone. Everyone. So you can win them over to God. See, that, that's our purpose, is to win them over to God. These garrisons gave David control over the Edomites. He had put these garrisons, and that's what Jesus is doing. If David is a king, is putting these garrisons in different places. You could say, okay, this church could be a garrison, or your home as a Christian could be a garrison, and they're placed in certain areas. Placed in those certain areas so that the Lord can be glorified, so that the king can be honored as the king of who he is. And so you can win over the enemies of God, uh, to the right side. Look at verse 15. So David reigned over all Israel, and David administered judgment and justice to all his people. Joab, the son of Zariah, was over the army of Jehoshaphat. The son of Ahilud was recorder. Zadok, the son of Ahitub, and Ahimelech, the son of Abiathar, were the priests. Sarai was the scribe, Benaniah, and if you guys don't know who this Benaniah guy is, he's an amazing dude. Anyway, the son of Jehoiada was over both the Cherethites and the Peleothites, and David's sons were chief ministers. Benaniah is one of my favorite guys in the whole Bible. If it wasn't such a weird name, I'd have probably named Asa that. Because I'm not even sure how you say that name. You could have called him Ben, but anyway. It, when you look at this, David had given to God... He'd given in to God. He'd given to God his life, his trust. And he'd given in to God. And so we see victory and allies and blessings. And when you look at those like Saul, who didn't give in to God, and who didn't give all to God, 
and recognize him as leader. You see pain and paranoia. Every time you read about somebody suffering through some pain and paranoia, defeat and death, they didn't give in to God. And so no great ruler succeeds by himself. Only the smallest organizations can be governed well without a gifted and committed team. Only the small ones. But part of David's success as a ruler was in his ability to assemble, to train, to empower, and to maintain such a team. And so there is a limit to what we can be and what we can do for the Lord without order and without organization. It isn't order and organization are our, our requirements for progress in the Christian life. There also, it's important for us to understand that they are, there's that progress in the Christian life of becoming more like the Lord. We need to become more like him before we can do anything else. And so David hires these guys, these Carathites and these Peleothites, and he puts a priest in charge of them. And again, we see with that priest being in charge, what we see is his concern of wanting all military actions conducted with the Lord's guidance. Uh, there, there needs to be that concern in our life, that everything we do is guided by the Lord. So I hope your daily tasks of concern and whatever you got going on that you're conducting any kind of a business to the way God wants you to handle your life at work, play, marriage, friendships, whatever it may be. My prayer is that uh, you conduct it according to what the Lord wants you to do. And we're going to see later on David's thoughts and turn towards the house of Saul in the next few chapters. But for us, today you see a, a story, chapter 8, and you think, man, this is bloody. There's nothing but war and battle. But, you know, we may not see blood, but there is a battle. It's a spiritual battle. And my prayer is that oh, we do those things and give it all over to the Lord and say, Lord, who? Who, who needs my prayers who, who is that person that's out there suffering by themselves that we haven't seen in a while or I haven't seen in a while? And maybe Satan's trying to grab them. There are those out there. There's a lot of people out there. There may be some here today. And it would do you well to get to know who they are and say, hey, man, how can I pray for you? You don't need the details if they don't want to give the details. You don't even need names. The Lord knows. But if we are those people that do things according to this book, live it and apply it, and just listen to what the Lord has for you today, and then tomorrow will prove itself. It'll be another day where you go to this and say, okay, Lord, I did what you wanted me to do yesterday. I didn't do it perfect. And he's like, oh, I know, Mark. Nothing perfect about you, bro. But I know you did your best. And if you're living life according to this, you're going to be doing way better than your best. King David's story didn't end when he ascended the throne. He had finally achieved the promise God gave him, but his time on earth was far from concluded. He had to raise his family, lead a nation, conquer the enemy, and continue to rely on his creator to sustain him. David didn't always do this with the grace and perfection we'd assume from a man after God's own heart. In fact, he frequently failed, giving in to temporary pleasures, neglecting what God had for him to do. Every time, though, David came back to his Creator. He repented of his sins and renewed his commitment to God. God's forgiveness was real and available for David, and it is for you today, too. Have you been afraid to come to God because of your life choices? He wants to hear from you. 
He sees your heart and already knows of your sins and is waiting to offer you forgiveness if you ask. Tracy's here to tell you more about this. Are you ready to meet Jesus and have your sins forgiven? We would be honored to be the ones to tell you about God's Son, who came to earth to pay the price for you and every person on earth. That price is death. But because Jesus died, you have the chance to live. Give us a call so we can tell you more. Our number is 281-391-5503. Thanks, Tracy. We are so glad you joined us today, and we hope you'll tune in again to Come Alive.